Welcome aboard Dice Wars, a Udini role-playing production. The Patreon show that dives into the wide world of published Star Wars RPG systems. Grab your favorite dice, photocopy that character sheet, and open up the theater of your mind for the journey ahead. And now, welcome your Game Master, Caleb Laminac. Hello, and welcome to another special episode of Dice Wars, a Utini role-playing production. My name is Caleb, and this is the show where I and several members of the team are playing through the various published RPG systems for the Star Wars universe. Uh, this is, again, a special episode where we will go over the conclusion of the plot and the system itself. We will be uh, start with the mechanics of the D20 system published by Wizards of the Coast and the system that we used and some points about the roles and the uh, characters, the uh, stats and all like that themselves. So if people are only interested in our review of the system itself with the Wizards of the Coast uh, D20 system, you know, you can get that first and then leave when we start talking about like specifics about the characters and about the plot itself. So, um, you know, this is a... Uh, you can have just going to be a quick chat, casual chat here. So let's kind of get into this and go around. So real quick, now that we've done this, you know, once before, this is our second kind of run around. How would you guys feel about your uh, about the D twenty role playing system? I def I think I liked it more than the D six system because, like, if nothing else, it's just more fun to have a full set of dice than it is to have like several pieces of the same dice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But it definitely was a lot more complicated than the D6 system. Like, I don't think that's a negative thing. I just, it's like, that's an observation. Okay. JG, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I think it was really, one thing I noticed is it was really balanced. Like, there, were, it allowed great moments of storytelling and great moments of mechanics with, like, combat and different skill checks. I think um overall it's a really good system i think i like it like emmy i like it a lot better than the d6 i think there's like a few things that don't make it like maybe the go-to one for me personally but i think it's really close that this could work for a lot of people okay well i loved this i loved this campaign it was really fun but for me the d20 was it was complex i felt i had to rely on on you, Caleb, and the the GM a lot. It took me a couple weeks to finally start figuring out every week how to to up-level the character and add all the points. And it just has a much higher learning curve. I could see if you really play it for a while, you could it could become more natural, but I felt stupid for a really long time. And I, I get that. Like, um, the D20 says it's kind of like it's kind of I'm about to say two kind of things that are almost like encounter to it, like you know, that counter each other out, one could say. But I get how it's like a lot more complex. Like, they like every single class has like a like you have first you have to pick a class and then you have to like follow very specific rules. It's even mm-hmm. more complicated if you decide to multi class here. Now, on the flip side, as compared to the D6 system, it's a little bit harder to like. Like with the D6 system, you could like, for like a fair term, make a mistake and make like an unviable character, if that makes sense. Like, you know, because with the D6 system, you have the previous game that we played, you, you have so many options of like, well, I am going to put all my points into aquatic vehicle engineering. Mm-hmm. You can't stop me. I'm going to make the best aquatic vehicle engineer on this pirate campaign that you will ever see. But with this one, it's like, it's every time you level up, you are getting more competent at just about everything mm-hmm. but it, it is definitely like it it does it holds your hand a little bit more but then there's also holds your hand a lot less when it comes to like oh well, these are all your skill points you can put into and in the feet system so like feats were a thing from third edition there how did you guys feel about the feats do you ever feel like you just have like way too many options or i think the feats for me like because there were so many skills which i the skills I really enjoyed because that's like one of my main complaints with D&D is that I know there are a lot of skills in D&D, but I want to have more. Mm. And it's nice to have a, like a very random specific skill for, you know, this random specific situation that I found myself in. Um, and then to have the feats on top of that almost felt like slightly redundant because some of the feats were just like adding points to your skills 
and some of them you had to remember specifically what the feat meant and what you had to do um and to me that was just like i don't know i i could pro i think i used my feats like maybe three times in the entire campaign because i just kind of forgot they were there yeah they felt very the word that i would use almost as like inconsequential for example um for a big exception for me was the fact that i uh, took advantage very early of the dual wielding and also like the quick um quick draw but like besides that it's really it was really hard to manage the fact that um the feats while like sometimes they would give you bonuses like emmy said but they would also give you like certain things and certain scenarios that you could do an extra thing but if you don't have that full exhaustive list and in the case where we were both playing soldiers we were gaining a new feat every time like that's a that's a mm -hmm. laundry list of feats of things that we could do or not do yeah and there's not like there was a spot on your character sheet to write in your feats but it's not like very organizational or like not it's not very like visually organized to like for you to list your feats and list exactly what they mean and everything. Well, I think Gia, you're still uh, muted there. <laughs> I was a little confused by the feats and I, I had the book and I went through the book and I tried to, to study it because the feats do feel a bit redundant. Like they're just other skills. And then I, I forgot I had the feats for like, multiple games and then had to remember oh i gotta remember about this and i'm not sure i utilized my feats as fully as i could have yeah this system i think does a lot of things there where it's trying to like encourage you to make like really um like theory craft to make like you know the game is trying to like push you to be the sort of person who rereads all the feet section several times and knows exactly what mm. you're going through and you know yeah. i see what you mean because there are feats that are like i you get plus two to intimidate and to bluff and there's also feats that let you you know multi-attack without any penalties or there's one out there like heroic surge that says like yo of like four times a day you can just take a second action on your turn it's like yeah these are not balanced at all. Like, you know, one gets you a plus two to a, a skill that you might not use. And one lets you, you know, you know, you know, screw over the action economy and get double attacks. I'll be devil's advocate. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Again, I think that the longer you play this game, the more natural everything will come that it takes like a real investment up front. And if you really invest into this game that I'm, it probably just gets deeper and richer, mm -hmm. but I think for me, it would take more than eight game, eight sessions. And to be devil's advocate, very similar to that point, Gia, I think, um, especially for a class like soldier where you're gaining so many feats early on, I really do wonder too, if the feat system really works well for a long campaign where you're not leveling up every session, but you're leveling up every 10 sessions. So if I were, if, if Emmy and I were to add a new feat, we're only going to look at that one feat and we're going to know that feat by heart. And then when we get to add a second one, now we're only memorizing two. So in this very short condensed campaign where Caleb was very generous for us, you know, we were trying to balance like five feats at once and it was a lot. So I was a force user, not a Jedi, but I didn't have as many feats as you all. I had maybe three Maybe four, but so it sounds like soldiers get more feats than the force users. It, yeah. I think it balances. I think it balances big like stat wise. Like your stats might have been higher than ours, but mm -hmm. we had more feats. Yeah. Now, one thing that feats that part of the game developers really liked about feats is that they could put like entire books of like nothing but additional feats like in there. <laughs> so like oh, yeah. it's like the hero's guide, which gives it's not like chalk one hundred percent full of feats, but it's probably like. 30 40 additional of those in here like very specific ones like you know hey if you're a black sun virgo uh you know like a leader of the black sun you can get very you can get a specific black sun feet if when you level up here's some like really wild things in here so uh, that sounds like fun it's it's fun it's like it's a way of getting extra characterization but it's also like a way that you know that the publisher can keep putting out more and more sell books. more books yeah <laughs> Now, uh, speaking of like uh, crossovers and tie-ins, now this is a, a quick question. I don't know if anyone has, but has, did any of you ever play the uh, KOTOR game, the original Knights of the Old Republic? Not Briefly. Me. Briefly. Okay. Well, if this game is 100% 
like they took the mechanics of this one and put it into the KOTOR system. So if you ever want to like play this more, just get that for your phone or on an emulator and or on a Xbox and just you can play it through that. And it's literally, I wouldn't say one to one, but it's like ninety to one ratio of the mechanics in that game. You can play that game on your phone. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it well, it's like twenty years old now, but yeah, I think it's on your. You can buy it on the iPhone and the uh, mm. you know Play Store there. So I have no idea how well it will play. Like I feel like it's such a tiny screen. There's a lot of text there, but no, it the Kotor, the original Knights of the Old Republic one and two were actually um, based on this game system here. So mm. you know, we mm. I feel like we talked a little bit about this. So um, you know, we you mentioned that you know both. You know, JG, I mean, you both played, you know, soldiers and then camp multi-class in different directions. Gia, you played a force mm-hmm. user. How did you, did you feel like the system lets you live out that, um, that like fantasy? Like when you, when you sat down and made your character in your mind and wrote their backstory, by the end of the campaign, were you happy? Did you feel like, oh, this character has fulfilled those things? Or did they ever feel like mechanically, like you didn't quite get it? Honestly, That's I would really say interesting. it really is like um, I would say the mechanics of the classes specifically uh, almost like heavily informed Myth's character and especially I started out as a soldier because he was a retired soldier and then um, uh, added the noble class which i was against at first because i was like he's not noble he's not like a a prince or anything but um whenever i read the description like his already set backstory like absolutely fit the noble backstory and um then like with the skills that you got along with noble which were like diplomacy essentially being able to talk your way out of situations rather than resorting to violence, I was like, oh, this is, like, exactly who Myth is. And that mm. was really helpful to um, see that. And I, I'm glad that he was both a soldier and a noble, because I think that mix was the correct uh, uh, class for him. But, um, yeah, without that, I don't think that his character would have been fleshed out as much as it was in the by the end of the campaign. Definitely. Drelly was, was interesting because um, uh, ultimately she is a bounty hunter where we like see her and everything, but bounty hunter was like, what, what are they, they called it something It's specific. called a prestige class, which again, yes. in this, uh, this, this hero's guide, this like splat book, this extra book is literally chock full of it. There's 100, it's like, there's like 20 more prestige classes here from like treasure hunter to corporate sector security agent. Mm. and so it had a lot of prerequisites to get to that point but fortunately i knew that like knowing her story which we'll probably talk about later um knowing where she came from it was it it didn't make sense for her to have to multi-class the soldier and the scout uh, to eventually to work towards that and i do think there was something very satisfying where i knew that each week um that i was slowly building and working my way to officially having the the prestige class of bounty hunter even though i knew narratively she was a bounty hunter but on paper it was cool to work towards that progression neat as a force user was interesting because this is only the second campaign i've done and in the last one that we did with the d6 i played a gambler rogue and when ace fought in that campaign he was very effective so domina in this one was more a self-taught force user someone who never had gone through the Jedi Academy. And um, a lot of times when I used the force in this campaign, it wasn't very effective, which on one hand fits that she is self-taught and really hasn't had years of official training, but it was, um, and then splitting my skills between more practical skills and force skills but my, I don't know. It, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Well, I could see as the longer you played, maybe with, as a force user, you might get better at that. Yeah. Well, JG, you played a, uh, a Jedi in the last campaign. Did you feel, or do you feel that same frustration of like, Oh boy, I have all these force powers, but every time I try to activate it, it's like, Oh, well, you know, this dice pool is a lot smaller than just shooting things with a gun. 
Uh, I don't know. I think it was pretty balanced. Uh, Lumi's a hard one, though, because I think Lumi was an anomaly because the fact that he was sick and he also some of his stats were pretty low. Uh, but I think there was a fair balance of the success and not success mm-hmm. from, and, from what know, I remember. And as a game, it's like, you know, you know, if 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 everyone has the option, like, hey, do you want to play the, the, the cool space wizard of Obi-Wan Kenobi, or do you want to play Chewbacca? Like, there are people who will gravitate towards Chewbacca more likely, but if you're, like, trying to be, like, the uh, there, a lot of people who play these games are, like, optimizers, just minimaxers. They want to play, like, the most powerful character. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, the game does have to kind of slightly balance between, like, listen, Han Solo's got to be just as relevant to the plot as, you know, as mm-hmm. you know, Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. Jedi Knight can Luke Skywalker can still do be like the point of it, but like we can't have the Han Solo player, you know, like on his phone the entire time because yeah. like, well, it's lightsaber battle time. I guess I'm just gonna mentally clock out here. Yeah. And I think it was really balanced that way. I mean, Domina did come through with the four set times, more it seemed when she was using the dark side. <laughs> but yeah. but it it always felt pretty balanced between everyone's characters. Now, yeah, now, now this is more a question for you, Gia, because I'm, you were the only one who really ran into it. I don't think we ever got like, close to it, but like when you were using the, the force and there's like a mechanic of like dark side points, like whenever you did something evil with a force, like you got to tick one off more on your thing. How would you feel about that? Did you feel like that was like a justified thing? Do you feel like that was like ramping up too quickly? No, I felt it was totally appropriate the way it was ramping up. I thought that seemed natural and and appropriate. I don't know what the consequences were yet because she ended up kind of pulling back from that before she really suffered any consequences for it. I think if the game was longer, Mm -hmm. it could be really interesting. A lot of the things it says is if you get like two, as many dark side points as your wisdom score, which yours was pretty high, it's like 16 or 18, like eventually like you can, uh, you'll start taking like, you know, potentially negative, you know, status increases there. Or it says, um, you know, once a force using character becomes dark, the character becomes a GM character. It's no longer under your control. So I pretty much can take your character and turn them into the bad guy there, which is cool but i could also see that being a little frustrating if i didn't give you enough as a player enough chances to like back out and like you know you know turn around there like it it, it, when you're we're playing a game like this like there's often times where like i as the dm have to be very clear about like the consequences because if not it's it can be a little um it can be a little rug pulley like there's nothing worse than you know you know do you are you sure you want to open that door and then like yes it's just a door and you know turns out i put like you know two rancors behind there it's like you know i have to you know give you a little bit more clues that something is actually going to kill you more than you know a a judgmental look i like narratively how when domina found his mother her mother and you you put that in the story that narratively that allowed her to kind of start shifting her course. So it's interesting how the way the story flows and how that affects the characters. We'll get into the story maybe in a bit, but that was 100% on you. Like I didn't have like written down and didn't Domino go slight size. Like, well, this is a guy. I knew that this is like a pivot point, but that that was 100% on you where you go there. So, all right. So a couple more questions about the system here. Like, we did a decent chunk of it. How did you guys feel about like combat? Did, did it feel a little bit more structured than the last time we, uh, in the last, uh, the D six system? Like, do you feel like everyone was like a little bit more on the same keel here? For me, it felt slower because I had to figure out the dice and how to add, which isn't my strong point. <laughs> That's the downfall of all RPG systems. <laughs> It's like, well, okay, hold on. Like, I know, I, I know, I know it can ha- at how to add eighteen and six, but like, just looking at it now with everyone staring at me, it's like, you know, wait, is that thirty-two? Is that is that eighteen plus six? Um, one. I just had one amendment to my earlier answer as well oh. about the classes. Um, I do want to say I was very nervous about multi-classing, but it was actually very simple and. I really appreciated that in this system. 
like the game heavily encourages it. Like, you know, D, you want to be a, a bounty hunter. Do you want to be a bounty hunter there? And like, realistically, yeah. the only way you could have done that is via multi-classing to be like there at the yep. quickest point there. So yes. like, it's like a little interesting that the game does kind of, especially like non-force users, it very heavily encourages uh, mixing and matching that sort of, those sort of main classes there. So yeah, like uh, now, Myth, you were kind of a you you start off as a soldier there. Did you ever feel like you know like you know you I saw you, you know your character was mixing a lot of like ranged attacks, melee attacks. Like, mm-hmm. did you feel like the game like tried to balance that ever, or did it feel like man, maybe I should just be blasting away with my three d six the entire time? Yeah, honestly, I think that like if none of us cared about the actual narrative, then we probably would have all been better off just using our blasters. Um, I don't know what the, like, lightsaber damage was and stuff, but as far as I go, I had a a blaster and a vibro dagger, and it was... The only times that I used the vibro dagger was whenever it made sense narratively, or if I was um, just trying to be more exact with whoever I was fighting. Like if someone was like tangled up with D and I was trying to fight them, I wasn't trying to like blast them. <laughs> but um yeah, other than I don't know, other than the narrative like wanting the story to be good, I don't think it would have ever been worth it to use the um basically yeah. anything that wasn't a blaster. Okay, well, D, you were doing that. You know, JG was just blasting away, double fisted the entire time there, like, you know, Butch Cassidy yeah. there. Yeah, it was pretty satisfying. I think it was interesting because I feel like D found a lot of success in her combat. However, at the same token, D was also taking a lot of damage as well. So it, it the combat felt very fluid and very, very balanced in the terms that. Yeah, you might be outputting a lot of damage, but you're also taking a lot of damage. Um, and then things did get squirrely, you know, every once in a while here for some of us. And so um, I think in, in context of that, it was pretty balanced. I, I was a little surprised to see how much success there was. But again, that's just the dice. You know, the dice can sometimes be in your favor more times than not. Nice. All right. Um, so combat there. Like, okay, now this is like... Uh, uh, Again, a loaded question. You might not have like a great answer to this, but would you ever want to play this exact system again? Like, you know, now that you've played two of them, I feel like most of you said that you did already prefer this to the D6 system here, but. I'd love to play it again. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, same. I think a a second campaign would probably be even better now that I have like a pretty good understanding of, um, or at least a basic understanding of the way that the game works. I would definitely pick up this up again before I pick the D6 system up again. Interesting. All right. Uh, I, I agree with that. I feel like it needs tweaked a bit, just very slight bit, but that also could be maybe fixed with a actual full length campaign. Like if we mm-hmm. were to like to do say a 40 episode season or something like mm-hmm. I could see that, 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 that the difference there could, I feel like yeah. it, it, this, this benefits a long-term campaign versus a mini campaign or even a one shot. Like yeah, this game system was built on like the Dungeons and Dragons system. So that that's like the uh, the ideal like most games don't ever say this and I feel like it, it would help kind of like a you know when you look on the side of a board game it says you know this is a 40 to 50 minute board game or this is like mm-hmm. a 2 hour board game. I feel like certain role playing systems I saw this with a most with a recent one here where it's like listen, the best way like the best campaign length of this is like 20 sessions the best campaign links of this is like 40 sessions like you know sometimes like having a session like ideal an ideal session length here is good like you can get to level 20 in this game just like dungeons and dragons but in all the uh like i've done like three or four like like what I would call long-term successful, like oh, more than one year links, like D and D campaigns. Oh, and wow. I think the highest one I ever got to was like 16, 15. I, I've never gotten a character's like max level in like a natural organic level. That just mm. takes a huge investment just doing it. in like normal, like the way they want you to do experience points versus the milestone system. So, and I could definitely see that now, you know, since you guys, again, we've kind of mentioned that eight sessions might be is not enough for this campaign, for this mm-hmm. session here. Do you feel like you 
there's still a lot of meat on this bone. So you feel like by playing more, you would unlock more and more information, or do you feel like you've pretty you've gotten a good idea of this? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like I've gotten a pretty good idea of this. If I if we were playing again, I would go back to the book and keep refreshing myself and, and studying the book. And uh, but we've got a good good idea with this. I, I feel like that this the set of uh, eight sessions allowed us to basically learn how to ride the bike. And now that we know how to uh, ride the bike, I feel like that we can now like race and we could compete in a race mm -hmm. and, and go for a like a triathlon and and go for the distance and really dig deeper into like the deeper mechanics and the different things that we the feats for example yeah mm -hmm. that's a great metaphor yeah and well the, i feel like the good news is the next uh thing we're doing the mm -hmm. next game we're doing is this saga edition of this it's made by the exact same publisher written by several of the same people here and it's let it's it's very very similar to this one but there's several like key differences that you'll have to un like relearn like they you won't get skill points but you still will get hit points you know you'll have you'll see a lot of familiar classes there but they'll be a lot more pared down i feel like what you've learned here is not something you should forget for the next session i feel like in the next campaign you should definitely take that and you know you'll be able it'll serve you well with this uh next uh campaign the next uh, uh rule set you're going to be learning here so uh, you'll see a lot of very familiar things. It like in that one, not to get too far ahead, but essentially you get a feat every other level, or and then a talent every other level. Like you know, Gia, you had like a, your force of depth thing. Like um, you, there's a point where you had like a force talisman, and you could get like a force mm -hmm. weapon specifically. Like mm -hmm. those, like that'll be like a mechanic thing. So like you'll have like several different like you know mini trees you can pick so whenever you level up as like a jedi you can say like well i want to do like you know this lightsaber defense or i want to do like a jedi counselor sort of tree it's it'll be yeah. um i'm excited i think you guys are going to um i think you guys are going to really dig that one i think it's going to be a lot of fun there so uh yeah that will be next uh campaign here but we'll not get too far into that even though I walked down that quite white. So let's back up here. Uh, any other last minute things you want to talk about, like the dice rolling, like the campaign, actual like mechanics of this uh, session here? Hmm. I want to just uh, repeat what JG said earlier of like my uh, annoyance with the feats and everything probably would be solved with like a longer campaign because what he mentioned about if you only if you get a feat and you have that one feat for like three or four sessions before you get another one, then you probably would have a really good understanding of how it works and it would be ingrained in your memory and everything. And that makes sense to me. And like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily need to write everything down on your character sheet in order to play that feat moving forward. Um, so yeah, I, I I will rescind my hatred of the feats from earlier in this, in this um, conversation. Well, and again, this is you know we're not trying to make an objective point. Part of this is like, listen, if if you want to start a D and D or a Star Wars role playing system, like, is this one an easy one for people to jump into, or does it? As we count the slab, it's like, oh yeah, after like eight sessions, you know, after like you know you know two months of dedicated play, we finally feel like we know what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. if you're new, I think if you're like a hundred I think if you're hundred percent new, like this might not be the best starting point. Like I think really the D six system is that's really good. I think that's what really helped, not to speak for everyone here, but I think it was what helped a lot of us, um, is getting our foot grounded on that. And we were able to go into this one and be like, Okay, like we could do this. Like it's still a little overwhelming for us, like we're still figuring out the feats, the skills, the classes and everything but like we we got our heads on <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that me too wonderful okay so now speaking of uh, everyone's now got their heads on let's let's start digging into the plot sort of thing here so um okay so yeah the overall story like as, as we uh, talked a little bit beforehand there like you know at the season one's recap episode review episode i can't ask you i was like what were you looking for and you all said like oh planet hopping like indiana jones i feel like i <laughs> took that straight to heart and made a big like planet hopping indiana jones you know gathered a three-piece sort of like video game story so like overall you know how are you guys feeling about that 
That was great. That was tons of fun. I loved all the planets that we went to and, and the different environments. And that was fun. Yeah, I um, like I love an Indiana Jones type story. I love the fact that we got to like go to Hoth, especially was really mm. really cool. Um, and I actually really enjoy even in a longer campaign. I like to know, um, sort of what the goal is, even if it's uh like in a longer campaign, even if it's just like this is the goal right now. You know, this maybe not be maybe isn't like the big boss in the end but i like to know like what we're actually working towards and the fact that this was broken down in the very beginning so succinctly into we have to go get these three things and then we'll fight the final boss to me you know that does not in any way take away from like the spontaneity of the campaign or anything like if anything it i've i thrive in the structure of that yeah, I like. I really liked that. Not only was it this adventure and like very Indiana Jones esque, but like there was a lot of fantasy in this, and we dove into mm-hmm. a lot of the Force and the dark side and just the more fantastical element. And like, yeah, Star Wars is a is a has war stories and all that, and that did came apart in this. But I really did like how we dove into more mystical and um, that side of Star Wars. Yeah. It and I really like having uh, like Domina's character specifically, like having a force user that's not a Jedi and also like isn't necessarily light side or necessarily dark side. That was a really um, fun character to play off of. Yeah, this campaign really had a mood like it had an atmosphere and a tone to it, which mm-hmm. was really cool and i loved some of the creatures like the hybrid like cyborg animal creatures that was really neat too it's very imaginative thank you i like i i I don't know if i put this on air yet but i'll say you know that that session there i think i told you guys i was you know while i was through crafting and figuring out what i want to do with that like i was flashed to do like oh rest in evil that's a great sort of like you know horror house sort of like biological horror everyone in a small dark cramped room that's great we'll just do that before an episode here yeah that one was really fun it felt very much like like if this was like a visual, like say if this was like a full like a t- one season TV show, this very much felt like that it could be a gateway like to horror for like teenagers or so. Like mm-hmm. there was that too. Like you did play mm-hmm. into the horror tones. Like it wasn't like over the top like horror, but there, like, there was enough there that like Gia said, the atmosphere was perfect. Yeah, it had like this dark supernatural vibe to it. Perfect. So, like I said, I love when Star Wars, you know, I guess this is like a little like patting myself on the head, but I love it when Star Wars can do like, you know, something like take a genre that is not you wouldn't necessarily associate with it and like turn it into a Star Wars. Like my favorite comic is the Lando miniseries because it's like a heist in the Star Wars universe. You know, we're we kind of went on like in the Ahsoka show. We just went on a giant like, you know, you know, uh, you know journey to in our world like living having someone live relive their traumatic past with the ahsoka mm-hmm. like you know and you know in the episode after that it's definitely got you know pings of lord of rings of like this you know desolate planet and like you yeah. know you know wandering around and trying to find a the forgotten hero sort of thing so like you know i'm glad what, you know i definitely we've seen indiana jones a lot in like rebels there's like one very specific one in the clone wars sheer series where it was mace that made team up between mace windu and um and Jar Jar Binks. Like there's like a duology, there was like a duology of episodes. Like, you know, go back and rewatch those because they got massive, like, you know, Temple of Doom vibes from that one there. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Wow, so, I don't remember that. Mace and Jar Jar. It was a <laughs> wild team up, but I loved it. It was <laughs> like they're and they're fighting Mother Talzin. That was it. They're fighting Mother Talzin yep. ghost. Really? Yeah, wow, yeah. I don't remember that. Great. I've got to look like, that up. Yeah, double yeah. check that out. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm glad I could like deliver that sort of story yeah. there. So um, like you know, just to, so I can feed off of you guys more. Like, what other things would you guys like to see? Like, you know, what are genres would you like to see in the Star Wars uh, universe here? One thing that's just came to mind just now 
since we've been doing this is I've been thinking of the last of us and like that dystopian Ooh. landscape. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. That could be fun. Are we, yeah, we really in don't... the next campaign, are we like moving forward in time again? Yes, we will be ten four. The next campaign will be ten four years into future, and that will be uh, during like the, the the height of the imperial era. Okay, but you know another thing that was fun was like Canto Bite and the Last Jedi, like mm -hmm. the rich people gambling, um, like colorful costumes, and there's so many different ways to go. Bouncing off of Gia, it is interesting now. Like, we really don't see, like, dystopia in Star Wars, you know? Like, yeah. it's all very, like, either it's the ancient temples of the Jedi and the Sith, or it's civilization, or it's, like, the Western vibe of the Outer Rim. You don't really see, like, a completely fallen society, or a completely, like, that, that Last of Us vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, what happened in Mandalore? after we haven't seen yet the aftermath of that of the siege of mandalore and the survivors yeah. the kids that lived through that and what I, do you think um, Emmy? this is i really like that idea and i think that this isn't really a genre thing but like a character thing um now like we all knew each other before we started this campaign but we hadn't, you know, spent two hours a week on a video call with each other, knew each other. Mm -hmm. So um, now that we do and we're like actual friends and we kind of know what to expect from each other and stuff, this would take a lot of planning. So I don't know if it's worth it, but I think it would be really cool to have characters that already have re relationships mm. to each other yeah, rather cool than lot. three random people who sort of come together. For whatever reason it'll make session one a lot easier if you guys do yeah <laughs> that would be, really be fun like a crew like yeah a, like you know, specifically i'm thinking like um because of where we are in the timeline if we were this is like complete spitballing but if we were like three padawans who lost their masters to order 66 oh, and had to go into <laughs> hiding or something together and we oh, all had like varying levels of um, attachment to the force and like one of us just really wants to move on and and live normal and the other you know another one is like interesting. we have to fight the empire you know we have to use what we have to uh, better the galaxy and everything but yeah, that's, that's interesting um, yeah I think it it doesn't have to go down that rabbit hole but I think to have characters that already know each other and there's like history there would be really cool I was thinking, if not in this campaign, then in the next one, I really want to play like a hardened soldier mercenary. Mm -hmm. And we could also be a group of mercenaries, like going to Mandalore to try to find weapons or something um, or try to make money somehow. I don't know. I haven't thought it out at all. But that Padawan idea is fun, too. Dee is yeah. rubbing off on you, Gia. Yeah, it's fun playing the the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, like, and there, there, there's some. It's I find myself when I'm playing a lot of these games, like like right now, as I will tell everyone, I'm in like a fighter kick in my D and D phase right now. Like mm. I would normally gravitate towards like wizards or you know paladins or something like that. But right now, I'm having a goal to play through every single like fighter subclass because there's nothing quite like having to listen. I'm just a dude with a pointy stick here. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I know you, uh, there's a lot of wild, wacky, arcane things going on, but listen, I got to keep things down, you know, keep both feet on the ground, just going power through and just do as much like, you know, heroics just as like a normal person as you can. So just be <laughs> like, hey, I got two guns and, and two brain cells. So like, let's just yeah. keep this simple. <laughs> yeah. And it really helps to have those people. Mm -hmm. Can't just be wizards fighting, you know, you got to yeah. have the swordsmen and the 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 other people. You know, I, I, you know, it, it's fun going back to like, you know, like older like story arcs and older like movies I saw and like, oh, that character was so annoying. Like, why did they have like the jokester character? But now going back and looking at like 
a lot of those things like man if they didn't have that jokester character this whole thing would be a lot flatter like they really need just that soldier guy because they need to have someone like be the voice of you know simplicity slash reason of, like why don't we just go in there and break the magic stone like we need someone to like <laughs> essentially like spitball and, and bounce people off there and you know you guys have all in both these campaigns had really great party dynamics like even you know none of you had like work together and like planned out your characters mm -hmm. so yeah. it was it's been we've been really blessed that all three of your characters work really well last campaign all four characters like interacted extremely well but like yeah it, going forward you know if you guys want to like actually like make a crew going forward that'll be perfect so one more on the genre idea it just dawned on me i think it'd be really interesting to do because like we've been very like the first two were very kind of like quest driven which is really great I think it'd be interesting to explore a mystery, like an actual, like, uh, what the heck is going on? We have to solve this. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what our end goal is, which I know this is very hard for the GM's perspective because yeah. crafting a mystery is hard. Yeah. You see the, but... no, see, the problem is I've already tied all three of these uh, ideas into dysto dystopian Canto Bright <laughs> and a mystery together. I can, I can. Oh. <laughs> of course you have. Of, cor of course you have. Of course you have. Yeah, I've, wow. I've already got this. Yeah, I think I can. Do I this like that well. idea, JG. That's so funny. Yeah, I like I like a good mystery. You know, that was like my root in storytelling was reading a lot of mysteries growing up. So yeah. a lot of uh, what Nate the Great and all Star like that. Wars. Hardy Star Boys. Wars doesn't have a lot of mysteries. Hmm. Not really. That's that one noir. Fun. The uh, what's the High Republic? Um, oh, the Path of Shadow. Phase one. Yes, like one of the best stories out there. Yeah. Yes. Which Super one? Good. The comic. Yeah, trail of, yeah. Trail of Trail Shadows. of Shadows. That's yeah, Trail yeah. of Shadows. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that one with the detective. That one was I, cool. He's one of my favorite characters. My original thought was like noir, but like that's really hard to do because noir is such a visual element. But then mm -hmm. it, that's where then I was like, oh, mystery, duh. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, I think I can make this happen. So perfect. So you know, um, to re to kind of go take a step back here again, we talked about how great all your characters work together i feel like we touched a little bit on this at the end of the last episode here so like your characters like we've kind of talked about how like myth you think you're just going to go home and retire and become a farmer mm -hmm. you know the are like the, i forgot are you going to hang up the blasters and become a bar a drink slinger no i, I think d i mean i think d is going to definitely stay at, at the Gungan a little bit more than maybe she would have. But I think she wants to get into like protecting people like Domina and, and really trying to do the right thing. And so in taking her skills of hunting and bounty hunting, but using it to protect instead of kill. Nice. That makes sense. And does, is there any major more adventures for Domina or do you think she uh, retires and finally starts teaching those, uh, those, those classes that she you know, was told to by her professor. By the, no, uh, I think she just got a taste and wants some more. I think she saw her father and gave her dad the ring and really bonded with him and gave him attention. But now I feel like she wants to do more, more quests and find more relics and really study them. And, and I can see her going on these, these missions with D at her side to help her like an assistant protector and Domina's just becoming more obsessed with her work and trying to preserve it and protect it in the world where so much is being destroyed. Nice. So like, you know, this is time. It's fine for you guys to be a little harsher. Did you guys feel like your characters had like successful arcs here? Do you feel like yeah, I gave you your, your characters like time and space to be like, to have like a, a to have a decent arc here? Yeah, for for me, I did. And it's been so interesting because I've never played RPG before until the last campaign. And we really embody the characters. And I feel like I learn the lessons that the character learns. It's a way to act out these like feelings and impulses and really learn the consequences because you feel the consequences of events as your character experiences them. And it seems so therapeutic to me. Just it's really been super insightful. It's, it's interesting because I think it, it was really interesting this time around because I knew where Lumi, where I wanted Lumi to go again, of course it's up to the dice and the story. But for D, D was D was at the beginning of her story and and just entering into the galaxy, and so I really liked where, 
you know, this is just the beginning of her story in this arc in itself, though, like she grew and changed because of the things that happened around her and the people around her. And so it was very satisfying because like when I started this, I had no clue what was going to happen to D. I had no nothing set in stone. I was just going to let whatever happened happen. And it happened. She changed. I think with myth, um, this definitely was not intentional on my part. And I don't know if it was on your part either, Caleb, but. I feel like he had the most like actual personal growth at the very beginning and at the very end whenever he was like faced with the consequences of his past. But I feel like in a way he sort of his arc was tied to um, D and Domina's arc and especially D's arc because he saw like this young person who is at the beginning of their life and um knowing that he's at the end of his and he's made his decisions and now he just kind of has to live with that. And I think like pushing D in like a better, safer direction was kind of his point of being on this quest. Cause obviously in the end he wasn't there for the, the credits and he didn't, you know, find his, his mother's long lost wedding ring or anything. Like he, I think he was there more than anything for like, mental peace and and uh solace and completely unintentionally for me he ended up getting that in the end good like it, like i did i loved miss as a character but like I, I definitely see what you mean like at the beginning when i was like butting heads against his old commander like it, that's mm -hmm. a great sort of thing and it's just like well you're just kind of along for the ride and like being the mediator for these other people so it's hard, yeah. hard for me to as a dm to give you like more specific clues i was toying with the idea of doing like you know if you have played it but in KOTOR there's very specific moments in the Knights of the Old Republic it's a very mm -hmm. similar thing like there's like four little mini adventures you go on but at the end of each one like no matter what order you go on like sometimes you know the, the game will put like a little roadblock at the end of it so I kept mm -hmm. thinking like maybe at the end of one of these dungeons you crawl out and there's going to be Sid and we'll have like a mini boss fight here mm -hmm. but then like you know, it just made more sense to keep you guys rolling and then save that towards the end so you could yeah. have a big climactic thing. And, you know, to kind of springboard off of that, like, how did, well, unless you had more you want to bring up about uh, your characters here. I just wanted to ask Emmy how she came up with Myth. I thought he was such a unusual character playing this old Syrian soldier. Where did he come from? Um, I googled, uh, male syrian star wars i think that was it and um oh no i googled male syrian star wars character art and found a um i don't know if it was a fan character art or if it was uh like actual like um what's that called whenever artists for like a movie or tv show draw like, like concept art yeah, concept art. i don't know if it was actual concept art for kiati mundi but it was um, basically Kiati Mundi with very like weathered and um, an eye patch with which Myth had, and um, like his his clothes were all torn, and he was kind of wearing Jedi gear, but not like prequel Jedi gear as we know it. And he definitely wasn't like the diplomat that he is in the prequels. Um, but he's always been one of my favorite Jedi, and. Um, so whenever I saw that picture, I was like, I can make a character out of that. And um, I also, I did not plan for Myth to be like the grandpa of the group. And I did not plan for him to be so um, like dedicated to to Domina and D in all of this. Because I fully, I, I was going to, I, I was going to have Myth sacrifice himself in the end. And stay behind with Sid to um, make sure that um, Sid did die and the, the starship went down and everything. Um, but then I think it was Domina who like grabbed Myth by the shoulder and just pulled him out of the room. Um, so, yeah, I the, the character art like initially inspired it. But then he just, um, I think both of your characters and how you guys interacted with each other really pushed me in the direction of making him sort of the mediator and sort of this like kind of awkward bumbling like grandpa type which was really fun 
that's he's very different from any character I've ever played before, and I really enjoyed him. Yeah, you did a great job with them. Thank you. Excellent. So, okay, well, now this is time for me to be honest here. The next bullet point I have listed here is like, how how did you guys feel about the villains? I felt like I enjoyed these villains in the times that they were there. I felt like at least last session, like like last campaign, like mm-hmm. I liked. I feel like I did a better job setting up the hut villain, like little Georgie as like a like a antagonist and like putting the seeds out there and having that big reveal. Like I like I felt like I would, you know I. You know, as you're talking like myth there about miss like arc there and like, you know, with the, their villain with Sid, like even th- towards the very end, I'm like, OK, like who is the final boss going to be? Is it going to be Sid or is it going to be the doctor, Dr. Vono mm-hmm. there? And I wasn't I kind of flip flopped a little bit there, but it's also like, you know, it doesn't make it makes more sense for the actual like combat encounter to be, you know, Sid, the, the grizzled mercenary versus the pencil pushing like, you know, doctor there. Like, mm-hmm. so I felt like. Uh, you know, as me looking back, that was like a, maybe a weaker part of this series. So, how'd you guys feel about the villains? And again, if you guys like felt, you know, back me up here if you feel like it was not as strong, or how'd you guys feel? So, I don't want to get too deep here, but I think that while the villains, I think very much like we can look at it and it could be maybe the weaker part, with the exception maybe of Sid, because I think there's a lot there. I think ultimately, what this, you know, Georgie was obviously the big main baddie, he was very like almost incarnate of evil. But in this, the villain really, I don't think, was necessarily a character. I think the villain was our inner demons. I think each of our characters each had inner demons that we had to overcome. And constantly every uh, episode and everything, even down to the very last episode, like we were, you know, having to make that final decision about whether we were going to face them or not. You know, like, yeah, maybe the character or the, the final like actual combat villain maybe wasn't super like grand like Georgie was. But at the end of the day, it, it's because of those decisions that we had to face internally that led to those to that finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I almost feel like it, the dark side was the real villain. Well, Coming into contact and constantly being immersed in it and then having to make choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. I think like um, it kind of... Like, I do agree that Little Georgie was, like, more of, like, a big boss villain than anyone that we faced in this campaign. But I don't think it was detrimental. And that's not just, like, me not wanting to say anything bad to you, Caleb. (laughs) But uh, I think it was, it's, I mean, it is sort of like the Indiana Jones story of, like, he does face the Nazis on the way to, like, um you know collecting his artifacts and everything but they're not like a they're not like a constantly looming presence Mm. and i think in this there was enough going on to keep our attention to where even myth wasn't constantly ruminating over the fact that in the end he probably would have to face sid again um and then also there was for me at least always sort of the chance that we were gonna have to um face like the force ghost or something of darth list so that was if there was like a looming um villain in this story for me i felt like it was her yeah me too and she was really cool Mm -hmm. good good like i again like i had no idea this was going to tie in so well to like the current like ahsoka show because there's all they're doing a lot with the dark witches of dathomir but Mm -hmm. yo i was just like as the I'd already like created her character, and I thought, you know, what would be fun is so if she was like actually also like a, a, a witch of death mirror. That would be fun. That'd be a fun little thing to add in there. So, oh, yeah. who knew that what would happen there? So, but she's a real character, right, Caleb from Legends? No, I, I no, I her. you made like, her all up. There's a couple like I made reference to like a different Legends character that did like the weird like techno hybrids that she pulled off of. Mm-hmm. Um. She should be a real character. Someone needs to write a book about her. Fine, I'll get on that once I (laughs) after we do the rest of these uh, sessions here. Uh, (laughs) Did I actually put there Queen Space Station? Let me just rewind here. Bella Darzu, Bella Darzu. That was the uh, that's the real that's the uh, can our legends character that Mm -hmm. made the force like you know 
hybrid things. So, um, perfect, perfect. So, I, you know, we've already talked about what we want to see going forward. Any other, like, last-minute things we want to bring up about the story, about the plot that we had here? I liked what the are, droid. RT. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, I, I like that droid, too, because I'm like, you know what? There's so many, like, it feels like it, like, a lot of people wonder if you're doing fan fiction or small things. It's like, oh, we're going to make a droid, but we're going to make him, like, you know, like, Chopper's already done, like, the mean, bad droid mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like, you know, I've, we have R2, who's kind of, like, a troublemaker. We have, you know, uh, you know uh, Chopper mm -hmm. over there, who's on the opposite end of the spectrum. I want someone on the, uh, on the other end of the spectrum who's, like, always polite and helpful. It's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, you know, like... Not, not to be mean, but if I had a droid, like I would, I would be, I want them to be polite and helpful and like, and can't treat them like my smartphone. It'd be really like, I'd be polite to them. I'd night to them, but like, you know, like they, I, I want to make sure that they're doing things like, you know, pretty quick there. So he was always quick on the uptake with the like, you know, astrogation and all like that. Mm. I had two, two fun things I wanted to share about Drilly, uh, especially oh, yeah. for the audience that they knew. Uh, one was uh, oh. Drilly's wife, Drilly's wife. Uh, so being a big High Republic fan, I'm always looking for ways to just throw little Easter eggs in here. And um, <laughs> Drilly's wife, uh, it, her, her full name is Shayna Graff. So she comes from the Graff family. So if you've read the High Republic story or even some of the comics afterwards, uh, you're familiar with those troublemakers, which and kind of fell into that story. Exactly. And that's 100% on me. He, you told me that in the character development, like, oh, that's such a good idea. But every session when she came up, I was like, <laughs> oh, I totally blanked on that. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, just just a little a little nod there. And then um, Drelly's backstory um, is pretty dark in itself, but originally it had an even darker um, <laughs> yeah, thing that Caleb helped me uh, maybe calm it down a bit. But why I bring that up, actually, is... Uh, how I came up with Drelly Log is that it's actually an anagram for Cold Killer. And so, um, which goes into her original backstory, but it also works because she's a bounty hunter and she definitely likes to bring him in cold. But um, oh, yeah, so. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if you take Drelly Log, uh, move it around I the letter. I see and get it, cold yeah. Yep. Fun fact. I didn't, I didn't even tell Caleb that, too. That was a fun No, I did one. not know. Like, awesome. <laughs> I was saving that for this. <laughs> Are you normally into anagrams? Is that something you normally um, think about? Not always, but sometimes. I like I like to put little, I don't know, I like Easter eggs and, like, little like yeah. little nods mm -hmm. and such. Like, Dave Filoni does mm -hmm. that a lot, where he's very literal, or, like, you know, he'll, like, look at an evil planet, like, oh, that's the planet Malice. So, I like little things yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is cool. When in doubt, like, Gary Gygax, the man who created D&D, he was very famous for uh, just like, I'm just reversing my name. He just takes a normal name and just swaps it backwards. That's mm -hmm. a, that's another very classic one there. Yeah. yeah. So, perfect, perfect. So, um, I feel like that's uh, really kind of uh, exercised a bunch of this. Uh, the demons here, we feel like, I, I feel like I love these episodes, to be honest, like maybe even more than just like normal sessions. I just love like the, like the dissection planning here. So uh, I definitely feel like I have an idea now, a lot more concrete what we're going to do next session. So I'll go ahead and drop the name. You know, this one was again, the, uh, the, uh, the war of ideals was season two, season three moving forward is going to be the famine in the soul. Wow. Did you just come up with that right now? No, I, I had it already planned out, but like, you know, it with all the things you dropped, there's like, gosh, this is going to be too perfect, isn't it? That's awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> Apocalyptic really works with us. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. My mind is already racing. The yeah. famine <laughs> of the soul. So, perfect. I'm so glad that you guys, you know, oh, to rewind just a little bit, I'm so glad you guys have like fun with your character names here. I you know, I've, you know, all the character names here have been following the theme, all my NPC names. So, you know, I'm, it's great having like something to go with that. So having like a theme and just like, you know, whenever you create a character, it's like, well, I'll just go to like the same well source here. So, mm -hmm. all right. All right. So uh, we'll just go ahead and read this out. So, and that'll do it for today's episode of Dice Wars. I'll encourage you to subscribe to your audio version on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow Utini on Utini on Twitter or X and tweet at the show at Utini underscore US to stay informed about all our other shows. For reviews, articles, and news for the rest of the wide galaxy of Star Wars content, be sure to visit Utini.com. We also want to encourage you to check out the Discord community at Utini.com slash Discord, as well as a special day 
thank you and to our wonderful patrons and their support for the programming and shows that uh, make this specific show. It's a Patreon show uh, uh, available for y'all. Just want to shout out uh, Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Carl Sander, Zach W and Michael Fry on the High Council, as well as James T, Ashley Ingalls, Colton Fife, and Chris Carazaro on our Alliance High Command for their amazing and continued support. Thank you again to Gia, uh, Emmy, and JG for their work on the show, and special thank you to our listeners for tuning in every single week. We truly appreciate you. Again, you know, we'll take a couple weeks break so whenever we get the uh, next uh, session all put together that'll be on your things you know keep posted you know add us on discord and we shall see you uh, next time on dice wars